0: Let's begin tonight in the book of Isaiah 53, and I want to continue with this that we uh, began, uh, well, it would have been two Wednesdays ago now, ministering and receiving healing, ministering and receiving healing. And uh, we're calling uh, this series that because uh, healing has to be ministered, but healing has to be received. And the easier we can make it to be received, the easier uh, we can show that it is to receive from the Word of God, the better it is for my faith. And uh, we're going to deal here and start with Isaiah 53 and uh, deal with some things concerning ministering and receiving healing. In Isaiah 53 and verse 1, It says, Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, meaning Jesus, will grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace or the chastisement needful for peace was on him or fell upon him. And with his stripes or with his bruise, we are healed hallelujah the literal hebrew here of he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows is truly he lifted up our sicknesses and diseases and carried our pains all right truly he lifted up our sickness including disease and carried our pains now the the bible starts off here isaiah starts off here with Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Well, the arm of the Lord is an Old Testament term for the power of God. And Isaiah is saying that those who believe the report are those that the arm of the Lord will be revealed to. Alright? Those that believe the report. The word sorrow, we talked about this in the literal rendering, means pain, and griefs means diseases. And so it says that He lifted up our sicknesses, including disease, and carried our pains. Now, Isaiah is seeing this by revelation in the Spirit. He's seeing this through the Holy Ghost. Uh, If you look over at 1 Peter 2. And... uh, Verse 24, it says concerning Jesus who His own self bare our sins in His own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So we look at this and Isaiah says you are healed. Uh, Peter says you were healed. Now, that's something that very often we, we hear and we know that. But there's something to see here because I want you to go over to Matthew 8. Because these, these are the three instances that this is mentioned in the Word of God. And there's so much to see here. I pray we'll get away from these verses. There's so much to see here concerning this. And we'll read Matthew 8 and verse 16 and 17. When the evening was come, they brought unto Him many that were possessed with devils, and He cast out the spirits with His word, and healed all that were sick. Everybody say, He healed them all. all. All right. And then notice, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bore our diseases. Or we could say in the literal Hebrew, himself lifted up our sickness, including disease, and carried our pains. All right? Now, why is this so important? It's so important because people, many people that have a a problem with divine healing, will quote, they, they know this verse is in the Bible, and they'll quote it and they'll say, well, Matthew said that it was fulfilled. And what they'll say is that that God doesn't heal anymore today because Jesus was only healing to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy at that moment. All right? But here's what you've got to understand. And here's, here's what I want to center up on for a few minutes. We said Isaiah was seeing this by revelation. All right? Peter quoted this verse except by the Spirit of God, He placed our healing in the past tense. With His stripes, you were healed. Isaiah put it in the present tense. By His stripes, you are healed. Now, we can say it very simply. Peter is looking back at Calvary. And Isaiah is looking forward to Calvary. Now, here's what's so important about this. Every person that was healed in the Old Testament... Was healed on credit. They were healed on credit. On credit on what was going to happen. All right? Because there, understand, there was provision made for healing under the old covenant. There were things that God said, you need to do. And and, uh, uh, He said, I'm the God that heals you. But that was all based on the sacrifice, the atonement that was coming. Amen. So people under the old covenant were healed on credit because of what was coming. Now someone will say, but what about in the four gospels? Here's where a lot of people make a mistake. The ministry of Jesus was under the old covenant. To say that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are New Testament is really a misstatement because Jesus' ministry was under the Old Covenant. Now, I know they're, they're in what we call the New Testament. Now, I'm, I mean, it's not an issue with me if you, if you call it that. But the New Covenant did not really begin until after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Amen. So everything that Jesus did, He did as a prophet and a teacher and a preacher under the Old Covenant. Every person that Jesus healed was healed on credit based on what he was going to do. All right? Matthew showed that the miracles Jesus did in his earthly ministry were not just displays of power. There are people that have a problem with divine healing, and they'll say, well, Jesus healed people just to prove who he was, just to prove he had the power. Well, does he not have the power anymore? Does he not need to prove that he has the power now? See, it just doesn't make sense. Jesus was not healing just to prove he could. He was not healing just because he had sympathy towards people. He didn't have sympathy. He had compassion. Godly mercy. Godly love. Amen. It wasn't just the result of human sympathy. I saw this one time. Every miracle Jesus performed was performed at a horrible cost to Him at Calvary. Does that make sense? There was a horrible price He was going to have to pay for every person He healed. Because the price had to be paid. That's, That's why... in a a multitude of people, innumerable amount of people, there could be Gentiles, there could be people living in sin, there could be people that didn't know anything about God. It wasn't just Jews that were healed in those multitudes. Couldn't have been. The Bible says that multitudes came to Jesus and they came out of the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They came out of Samaria. They came out of other areas other than Israel. And they came and it says He healed them all. Right? How could He heal them all? The ministry of Jesus is the will of God in action for all men, for all kind, for all time. And Jesus said, the the Word of God says concerning the ministry of Jesus Christ and concerning redemption, it says whosoever will can be saved, can be delivered, can be set free. Based on what? Based on the redemptive act of Jesus Christ on the cross. When Jesus healed somebody, It was was with the knowledge, I'm going to have to go and pay the price for this person's healing. When Jesus forgave somebody, people say, how could He forgive them of their sins and there was no blood shed yet? He forgave them on credit. He knew He was going to go shed the blood and die and shed the blood for their sins. You've got to understand that. And so, when I look at this, amen... All the healings Jesus did were advanced blessings of the cross. Praise God! Thank you. They were advanced blessings of the cross. Because the blood had not been shed. He had to become acquainted with sorrow. He had to become acquainted with grief. He could not have been a grieving, sorrowful man and yet be filled with the Spirit of joy above all his fellows. That's what the Bible says. He was anointed with the oil of gladness above all of his contemporaries. When did he become acquainted with grief and acquainted with sorrow and acquainted with pain? On the cross. He was in the earth, in his earthly ministry, taking grief, taking sorrow, taking sickness, taking pain, because he knew he was going to pay the price. And every person he forgave, Every person he healed, he bore the punishment that should have been theirs. Oh, glory be to God. Amen. And at the cross, all of his miracles, all of his healings and forgiveness were then made available because he was going to die. He healed those in his ministry on credit. After the cross, it's available to everybody because the price has been paid. Oh, glory be to God. Amen? And so, and so when we understand that and we see these types and shadows in the Old Testament Peter's looking back at Calvary Isaiah's looking forward to Calvary and he's saying because of what's going to happen we can be healed on credit. That's why Isaiah says they didn't understand what was happening. We esteemed him uh, uh, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Right? Right? He said, surely this this guy's done something wrong. God is punishing him. No, the price was being paid for you and I. For every person that Jesus healed or forgave, the price was being paid. And it so disfigured him and so marred his visage that the Bible says he didn't even look like a man. Because all the sin, all the sickness... All the grief. Think about that. All the grief. All the sorrow. The entire weight of the curse fell on Jesus on the cross. Why? So the entire weight of the blessing could come on you and I. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Do you see that? Glory. Glory. Mm. And he's saying because of what's going to happen you can be healed on credit. Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Yet, in, at Isaiah's writing, he had not yet taken those stripes on him. During his earthly ministry, he had not yet taken those stripes on him. Have you ever thought about that? What gave Jesus the right to heal? What gave him the right to take sickness off of people that the curse brought on people? The price of redemption had not been paid yet. What gave him the right? It was done on credit. He was so sure that he was going to fulfill the father's plan. And so sure he was going to finish his course. He would heal people on credit knowing he was going to. Think about that. Every person he healed, he knew he was going to have to pay the price for their healing. Amen. Glory to God. Yet, he had not taken those stripes. But God revealed to Isaiah and says... If you'll believe on what is going to happen, you can be healed. If you'll believe on what's going to happen. In the Old Testament, I've said this a couple times, they received on credit. Then Jesus went to Calvary and stamped paid in full on the note. Received on credit, but then he paid the note in full. Oh, that's good news. When the devil tries to put sickness on you, you can declare, nah, the bill's already been paid. It's already been paid. Amen. You, see, you can't charge me twice. Amen. When I was a boy growing up in church, we sang a song. Uh, uh, I, I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. Right? I owed the debt, but he paid it. You can't, you can't charge me twice for what's already been paid. And that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to put sickness and disease on people in general. Not just believers, just people in general. And there are people that don't know the price has already been paid. And so they they don't stand against it. But you and I know the price has already been paid. Can't be charged twice. Oh, glory to God. 1 Peter 2.24 is proof the bill has been paid. Amen. The Woos Bible says in First Peter two twenty four, by means of whose bleeding stripe, the word stripe is in the singular here, a picture of our Lord's back after the scourging, one mass of raw quivering flesh with no skin remaining, trickling with blood. You were healed. You were healed. Well, what does that mean? The price was paid. Amen. Show this to the devil when he says you're sick. And say, no, I'm not suffering with something that Jesus bore for me. Amen. Try that out loud. Say, I'm not suffering with something Jesus bore for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are things Jesus suffered as our example. Persecution. He was rejected, right? His, fam- his family, at one point, the Bible tells us, all of his brothers and sisters rejected him, didn't believe in him. Only mama stayed true, right? Everybody forsook him. They all left him. He was persecuted, right? He suffered that as our example, right? How we're to bear up under persecution, But there were things that He suffered as our substitute. This is important. Because He bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. He bore them as our substitute. He stood in for me. He became sick with my sickness. He became full of pain for my pain. My substitute took it. So there's no reason for me to bear it. Amen. And that's what, that's what, and that's what you've got to think about. And that's what you've got to declare in your life where healing is concerned. Jesus carried this for me. Oh, hallelujah. The main reason that it's the will of God to heal is that we've been redeemed from sickness. Now, we're, we're talking about the will of God to heal. The main reason is we've been redeemed from sickness. And that, that, that word redeem means to be bought out of bondage or to, to have the ransom price paid. All right? Amen. So God's best is that we know that and act in faith on that and begin to claim our rights. Hallelujah. And we read Matthew 8, 17. Uh, one translation says, He Himself took away our infirmities and carried our, our diseases. So this proves beyond the shadow of a doubt. That what Jesus carried was our sickness and our diseases. Now, there are people that are trying to get you to believe that that was spiritual sickness. You know, sin is not so much a spiritual sickness as it is a state of being. It's what what we were born into the earth, we were born as sinners. You can't be healed of being a sinner. You have to be forgiven. Right? And so someone will say, well, that's a spiritual sickness, and they'll play it off that way. No, no, it's not. It's, it's physical sickness. He paid the price for our spiritual regeneration and salvation, but he also paid the price for our physical healing and our physical restoration. Everywhere you're at tonight, everywhere you may be at in your physical your physical standing, if it needs to change, it can change. If it needs to get better, it can get better. The price has been paid. Oh, glory. Another reason it's the will of God for us to be healed is that the same Spirit that performed all of Christ's miracles is still in the church today, and He has all of His old-time life-giving power. Amen. Acts, Acts chapter 10. Jesus was not healing just because he was the son of God. He was the son of God, but that's not why he was healing. Jesus was healing because God anointed him to do so. All right. Acts chapter 10. And verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. We should back up and, and read verse 36 to get our complete context. The word Peter is preaching here in the house of Cornelius. <clears throat> and he's preaching what they preached in the ministry with Jesus. Peter opened his mouth said, I, I perceive of a truth that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel. Preaching peace. Now stop right there and translate and meditate. Preaching what? Preaching peace. Preaching shalom. Preaching mashalim. Preaching nothing missing, nothing broken. Is that right? By Jesus Christ. Again, translate and meditate. By Jesus the anointed one. All right? The anointed one, why why is that important? Because there were things he was anointed to do. And if you don't recognize him as the one anointed to do that, he is the anointed one. All right? By Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism of John. Uh, Baptism was John preached. What? What was the word that was published? This was the word. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, dunamis power, wonder-working, miracle-working power, all right? And who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Amen. God anointed Jesus who after he was anointed went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Now, most estimates are that Jesus began his earthly ministry at the age of 30 and ministered for three and a half years. Thirty-three and a half years he lived on this earth. Now think about this. If he was healing just because he was the Son of God, why didn't he heal anybody before he was 30 years of age? And people say, well, how you know He didn't? Because the Bible doesn't say He did. And the Bible says the first miracle He performed was at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. You understand? This beginning of miracles, Jesus did. Now, why, why is that important? Because there was something that had to come on Him. Something had to come on Jesus to give Him the power as a man to heal the sick. Everything Jesus did, He did as a man anointed. Yes. Praise God. That's why He could say in the book of John chapter 14, The works that I do, you will do, and greater than these will you do, because I go to my Father. Now how could Jesus say that, and say the works that I do, you will do, if He was doing something no one could do. If He was doing something just as God, because He was God in the flesh. But God in the flesh, according to Philippians chapter 2, laid aside all of his deity attributes. He laid that aside and took on him the guise of a servant. A servant needs a servant. (laughs) A servant needs the anointing of the master in order to do the master's will. Jesus needed the power of God to do what God wanted him to do. And it says he laid that aside. And became obedient to death, he became obedient to the human nature. Jesus never sinned, but he was 100 percent human and 100 percent God. My Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and when he became anointed, the Bible says he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Now notice, he did not even face the temptation of the devil without the anointing. Thank you, he was anointed first and then was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to, for the express purpose of being tempted by the devil. And it says he was there for 40 days and he was tempted of the enemy. We see three instances, but the Bible lets us know he was tempted for 40 days. 40 days. And he overcame. How did he overcome? By the power of the word and the power of the spirit. And then when you see him return from the, from the, from the wilderness, what's the first thing he started doing? Healing people. Setting them free by the power of God. Hallelujah. God. See, this is important. Because that old time power is still in the church. It's still here. It's still available. Amen. Look, let, 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 let's look at Acts 19. So Jesus was anointed. God anointed Jesus. Who after He was anointed went about doing good. And healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Hallelujah. Acts 19 and verse 11. It says. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So that from His body were brought under the sick handkerchiefs or aprons. And the diseases departed from them. And the evil spirits went out of them. Now notice something. Paul wasn't healing anybody. God wrought special miracles. By the hand of Paul. This is important. Because it was the Father healing in the ministry of Jesus and Paul. Romans 8, said, The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead would quicken your mortal body. Amen? Another reason, I want to make sure I want to move away from that. So, so Paul wasn't healing, God was healing. But Paul was anointed with that same anointing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. See, it's, it's, it's not something that has to be worked up as much as it's something that has to be yielded to. It's what you yield to. Hallelujah. I, I was praying just just a few days ago about a, a certain situation and a, a, a person's healing. And I, and I asked the Lord, I said, can that change? Can that change? And he said, yeah, if somebody will pay the price. Somebody's got to yield to it. Paul, Jesus, over and over again, he said, My will is to do the will of him. My my desire is to do the will of him that sent me and finish his work. I do only those things my father tells me to do. I say only those things my father tells me to say. Remember when he healed the blind man? He said, We have to work the works of God while it is day because the night comes and no man can work. And it says, After he said that, he laid hands on that man and healed him. Proving that healing that blind man was a work of God. What did he do? He yielded to the work of God. And when you yield to the works of God, the anointing of God to do the work comes on you. It's, it's more yielding than trying to work something up. You Listen, you can't fast your way into a healing anointing. You can't pray your way into a healing anointing. You've got to yield to that healing anointing. Fasting and praying might make it easier for you to yield, but that's not, the answer is not fasting and prayer to get a healing ministry. I have a healing ministry because Jesus said believers would go into all the world and lay hands on the sick and they would recover under under the old covenant when jesus sent out the 12 it says they went and and he told them to go into the city and heal all the sick that were there and none of those boys were saved or filled with the holy ghost but yet but yet they were operating on a residue of jesus anointing because he had the authority to commission that based on what he was going to do Everything that Jesus has commissioned us to do in the New Testament church is based on what He's already done. Yes. Glory be to God. Another reason huh, we know it's God's will to heal is because of Jesus' last great commission and God's direct command in James five fourteen. Look at Mark chapter 16. Boy, I don't know if I'm helping you, but I've already preached myself happy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, go into all the world. The, the one rendering is go into every man's world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The good news to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned or condemned. And these shall follow, these signs shall follow them that believe. Now notice that word. Them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They shall lay hand. That word shall is so important because it's it's a covenant word. It means without doubt. There's no doubt about this. If you believe, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. Is that right? That's what believers are supposed to do. That's how we know it's God's will to heal. Because he said, "You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover." Amen. Do you see that? My job's lay hands on the sick because that's my commission. Amen. That's your job as a believer. Notice it doesn't say, and preachers will lay hands on the sick. Or prophets or teachers or apostles. See, that's what makes no sense. People say, well, healing went out with the apostles. Well, that makes no sense. Because Jesus said, in my name, these signs will follow them that believe. Amen. We know apostles aren't the only believers. Prophets aren't the only believers. (laughs) The problem when people say, well, that went out with the apostles is is that's, that's easy for them to say because they don't believe in apostles today. They believe there's only two gifts left of the five Jesus said would be here till he returns. Isn't it funny? People preaching Jesus don't even know what Jesus said. My dad would say, Bud, them people are just loony tunes. And that's true. They, they, they only believe the pastor and the evangelists are the only gifts here. And one of the main functions of the evangelist was to lay hands on the sick and see him recover. That, that, that was the dinner bell for when, when, when uh, Philip went to Samaria. It says that the whole city came and believed what he said. Hearing... And seeing the signs and the wonders and the miracles that he did. Because many possessed with demons were delivered. And they came out crying with loud voice. And many with the palsy were healed. And many that were blind. Many that were sick. And he healed them. Hallelujah. So this is that commission. These signs follow them that believe. This is a commission to the church. To the church of of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so any church that doesn't preach healing and deliverance from sickness and disease and the bondage of the enemy is at best operating in a partial function of what Jesus wanted them to operate in. We're not just supposed to get people saved. We're supposed to get people saved and healed and delivered and set free. When people come to our churches, there should be a total life renovation that occurs in their life. Not only should they get saved, what's wrong should be put right. What's out of commission should be put in commission because that's the will of God. Amen. James 5 and 14. I know I'm throwing a lot at you. But I got a lot to say. Man, you get to studying on this and you can't, you don't know where to quit. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. James 5.14 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. This is a direction for the church age. Pray the prayer of faith over the sick and the Lord will raise them up. That's a direction for the church age. John Wesley made this statement. He said, until it was stolen by unbelief, this was the only method the church had of receiving healing. Until it was stolen by unbelief. Now my job is not to say who's in belief and who's in unbelief. All right? My job is not to say that somebody had hands laid on them and they didn't get healed and it's because they didn't have faith or they were in unbelief or whatever. That's not my job. All right? Our our job is, are we doing what the Word said? This, This is our job. And he said, if there's any sick among you... Now, here's something that's very important. Let them call. So I have to desire it. I need to desire it. And call for the elders of the church. This is a commission for the church age. It's proof that it's the will of God to heal. Because he put it in there to the church and this is James the brother of Jesus amen another reason we know it's God's will to heal is this because of his marvelous promises the fulfillment of which depends altogether on the exercise of our faith we read 1 Peter 2 and 24 Matthew 8:17 Isaiah 53 let me say something those are not promises They are statements of something that's already been done. People say, well, I have a promise of healing. No, we have a statement that healing already belongs to us. Amen. You can put, for instance, Isaiah 53 and 5 in a confession list. Lord, according to Isaiah 53 and 5, by your stripes. But you can't say, by your stripes I'm going to be healed. Because it's always present tense. You can't quote First Peter two twenty four future tense. It's always past tense. So when did everybody get healed at the cross? At the cross. Amen. Do, do do you see that? I've I've heard people I've heard people say certain things and talk about you know when people get to heaven and and. And, and you know, if, if a, a believer uh, went to heaven with a sickness or something, and they, they've kind of alluded that, you know, God's going to let them know, well, you know, it was available to you and you didn't this and that. No, he won't. I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe that for a second. There's no record of that in the Scripture. Do, do you believe that? Why, why would God try to correct somebody's theology when there's no need. Brother Hagen told a story one time and it so blessed me. He said, you know, his sister died of cancer and uh, went to heaven. And the Lord, he had a problem with that. And the Lord allowed him to go to heaven. Actually translated him and he went to heaven. And he said, when I got there, my sister... Now, I'm talking to people I believe that believe in the supernatural. All right? He was, her, his sister was talking to Jesus. And he said, as I walked up, Jesus looked over my sister's shoulder and saw me. And then my sister saw Jesus looking, and he turned, and she turned and, and, and saw me. And she said, oh, Ken, I'm so glad to see you. And she said, the first thing she said was she came over to him and said, Ken... Don't worry that you couldn't pray the prayer of faith for me and get me healed. She said there were things going on that nobody knew, just me. All right? But she made the statement. She said, she, she said but I need you to talk to my son, and I need you to have your brother talk to my older son because they'll listen to you guys. And she made the statement. She said, here in heaven, we don't pay any attention to what's going on naturally on the earth. The only things that we know about is what's happening spiritually. She said, we don't worry about that. The Bible says that what God, would even in the book of Revelation, it makes this statement. It says that there will be people that Jesus will have to wipe the tears out of their eyes. But hear me, that's not people... That may have went to heaven with a disease, or may, or or something other. That is more a reference to people that that saw what they could have done for God with their life and in their ministry, and they didn't fulfill it. And the Bible says God will wipe the tears from their eyes, and He'll basically say this: Look, you made it. It's okay. You made it. You may not have done everything you could have, but you made it. Amen. I'm telling you this for a reason. Because. God wants his people whole. Amen. So 1 Peter 2 24, Matthew 8:17, Isaiah 53 and 5, they're not promises, they're statements of something that's already been done. This is already completed. Amen. In Matthew 18, verse 18. Oh, hallelujah. Matthew 18 and verse 18. He said, truly I say to you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, that if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, they shall ask it to be done for them, my Father, which is in heaven. This is a promise that God will do something. Anything cannot exclude healing. Right? Because he said, if you ask anything, anything cannot exclude healing this is one of those marvelous promises yes praise God amen Matthew 21 and 22 he says again all things whatsoever you ask in prayer believing you shall receive so all things is a promise that we'll receive if we believe it now, again, your job is not to run around and, and determine who's believing and who's not. My job is to take, if we would learn to spend less time focused on what others are doing and make sure we're doing the Word, Amen. we'd be a lot better off. Amen? I, my dad was walking through town one time with a pastor. My dad was an evangelist his entire life. And he was walking through town with a pastor one time. And the pastor looked over and saw a person with a wooden leg. And, you know, back in those days, in in the the late 60s, early 70s, it was very evident. If you had a wooden leg, it was very evident because they didn't have the prosthetics they have today. And that pastor said, see that person? My dad said, yes, they've got an artificial leg. He said, yeah. He said, well, they have that artificial leg because they talked about me. (laughs) And everybody that they saw that had a problem, yeah, they have that problem because they talked about me. Well, see, that person was more focused on everybody else. There's another song we used to sing when I was a boy growing up in church, and it went this way. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Right? Amen? I I need to focus on me. Is my faith where it needs to be? Amen? Amen? Yeah, but I know that... Who are you to judge another man's servant? The Bible says they stand and fall before God. This is important. Because because there's a lot of people that try to go around determining who's believing and who's not. I'm preaching here tonight, but I don't know who faith is coming to. I know that faith is available to everybody. It, it, It can come to anybody that will listen. But I don't know who's grabbing it and who's not. That's not my job. My job's keep feeding. If you want to eat, it's here. It's hot. It's spicy. It's seasoned just right. Amen. We might even throw some bacon in if you want some. Hallelujah. I don't eat bacon, but if you like bacon, that's fine. Amen. Mark 11. 22 through 24, you remember what Jesus said? He said, He said that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things he saith shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. So that's a promise that you'll have it if you believe that you receive. What thing soever includes healing. I've said this over the years, and, and I'll keep repeating it. I have never, listen the two biggest things that people have fought me about over the years are prosperity and healing. Why would it be bad for somebody to have a good life? Or somebody to be healed? I don't understand it. I, I had a guy that God healed. God healed him through our ministry. He was, he was put in the hospital, and I, don't, I forget what it was called, but it was like a flesh-eating, I don't know what they call that, a bacteria or something, or what? MRSA. Yeah, MRSA, something like that, it was and it was bad. It was bad. And, and, of course, he was a member of the church, and they asked me to come pray for him, and I went up, and, 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 and uh, uh, we, we had God's creative power for healing, and, and I prayed for him, and he got a hold of the Word, and God healed him. God healed that man. That same man took out quarter page newspaper ads calling me a false prophet. And God healed him through our ministry. Well, why did he get so mad at you? Because I said Jesus, I said the same thing I said tonight. That Jesus was not healing people just because He was God. He was healing people because He was anointed by God. And so he said, he said, he said that that I did not believe in uh, that Jesus was was deity and that Jesus was in. Fo- now, I'm saying that for a reason. So he was under all God healed him. And faith still didn't come. Amen. This is important because it's not enough just to get people saved and get them filled with the Holy Ghost. That changes their life for eternity. But God wants to do something about their life right now. Amen. Uh, uh, John 14, 13, and 14. There's so much here. I'm 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 trying not to get too preachy with it. John 14, verse 13. Uh Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Anything. Well, that would include healing. The word ask can be translated demand. So you demand sickness to leave and God will back you up. You demand poverty to leave and God will back you up. You demand things to change and God will back you up. Amen. But it, it's, it's whatsoever. John 15 and 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done to you. Ask what you will and it'll be done. What you will. What you want. Now there's times, quite frankly, even as a believer, you've got to spend time wrapping your mind around these. Because it's, it's put in the absolute sense. Whatever. Anything. Whatsoever. Now, religions say, oh, brother, you got to be careful with that. I've had people tell me, you can't teach people they can have whatever, whatever they want. I didn't. I think Jesus did. You know, we got to have confidence in the saved people we're preaching to. I don't believe anybody in here is going to go ask for something wrong. Because you love God. I know where you go to church. You love God. This is a promise to God's people. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 1 John 3. Oh, glory. I got about five minutes. I can do this. I think I can. I think I can. 1 John 3, 22. And whatever we ask, we receive of Him. Isn't that great? Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. So see, they're all inclusive promises, but they're not promises that do not have qualifiers. He said, whatever we ask, we receive. Why? Because we keep His commandments. And do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Well, one of the main things that please God is believing God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Right? Well, we don't have to worry about not having faith. We have faith. So don't focus on the not pleasing. Focus on believing. And focus on Him being a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Believe and seek Him. Amen? Whatever we ask. These are all inclusive promises. Another reason it's God's will to heal is because we see it in the types and shadows of the Old Testament. Many things in the Old Testament are a picture of Jesus. When uh, the serpents came into the Israelites' camp and were biting them, and, and, and remember why they were biting them. It was judgment. Remember? They murmured, they complained. And what happened when they murmured and complained? The protection of God lifted off of them. When you read about the, the children of Israel... It says three things that very often I think we overlook sometimes. It says that, number one, it says that there was a rock that followed them through the wilderness. The Bible says in the New Testament that rock was Christ. A picture of Christ. A picture of Christ refreshing us and bringing us our sustenance. That rock followed them. And provided water. They received water out of that rock. Well, what did Jesus say in the book of John chapter 7? At at the day of atonement, when they were bringing the drink offering to pour it out in the temple. Jesus stood up in that setting and He said, If any man come unto Me, if he's thirsty, He said, let him drink of Me. I'm the rock that this water flows out of. Right. And 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 it was a picture of God wanting to provide for his covenant people and bring them into the richness and the fullness of who he was. That rock followed them. Now, the second thing it says was that God provided a pillar of fire by night. Now, very often you see that in paintings and you see the children of Israel marching along. You know, there are three and a half million of them. And they had this one like little matchstick flame up way up in the front. Well, that might be good for Moses and them, you know, that are up there under the pillar. But what about the three million person way back in the back? When you study that out, it got very cold in the desert. It got very cold at night. It wasn't just a pillar of fire like a little pillar. It was a covering of fire. God kept all of those people warm. God gave them light. Amen. Because that's a picture of our God supplying all of our needs. And he said he was a pillar of cloud by day. Well, what's the hardest part about being in the desert in the middle of the day? The sun is beating down on you. It wasn't a pillar, a wisp of glory cloud way up in front of the line. He covered the whole three and a half million with a pillar of cloud and kept them protected. That's why he could say no matter where you walk, no matter what you do, there are scriptures that say the affliction will not beat down on you. You'll go through the fire and won't be burned. You'll go through the water and you won't drown because i'm there and so when these serpents came into the into the into the camp it was because that protection had been lifted because of their their refusal to do what god said but notice something the bible says that jesus was a prophet like unto moses this is important because when the, when the people started dying, what did Moses do? He interceded for the people. And what did God tell him to do? Take a brass, make a brass serpent and put it up in the middle of the camp and it shall be that whoever looks on that serpent, whoever looks to that serpent, whoever looks to that serpent will live. Hallelujah. Now people say, why did He use a serpent and not a lamb? Because it was a symbol of judgment. It was a symbol, brass was a symbol of judgment. The serpent was a symbol of the enemy that caused the curse to come into the earth. And He said, if you will look at the sacrificial price that destroyed the enemy and lifted the judgment off of you, you'll be healed. And so that's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you remember, Nick at night, Nicodemus came to him at night, right? And remember what Jesus said? He said, when I am lifted up, From the earth I'll draw all men unto me. What had to happen? What had to happen? You had to look to Jesus and live. Why? The curse was there. If you could have seen in the spirit realm. On the cross of Calvary. That serpent was wrapped around Jesus. That curse was sucking the very life out of him. It was killing him. He did not die of nails. He did not die of a broken heart. He died because the weight of the curse was placed on him. It took his life So he could give you life. And when you look at him, you live. That was a type, oh my God, that was a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. The ram in the thicket was a type and a shadow of our substitute. Substitute. Substitution is very important. Abraham had a covenant with God. You know that Abraham made a covenant with God. God found somebody that would believe him by faith in that covenant. Amen. And he came to Abraham one day and he said, I need you to go sacrifice. Now, it was need. I know the King James says that God said go, but God needed Abraham's son. He needed him. Because up till that point, God had not had any entry into the earth. And he had to have an entry through two things. He had to have an entry through faith. And he had to have an entry through blood. It had to be by faith because the devil doesn't have any. And it had to be by blood because the devil doesn't have any. And it had to be a covenant. It had to be something that God Himself was the guarantor of. That's why when you see in the book of Genesis, Abraham was knocked out. Abraham fell into a deep sleep. He put those pieces out there and he fell asleep. Well, there was another guy in the Bible that went into a deep sleep. His name was Adam. God knocked Adam out and brought Eve out of him. Amen. God knocked Abraham out. Why? Because it says when Abraham woke up, he saw a smoking furnace and a burning lamb walking between those pieces and he heard God swearing oaths. Surely, I will bless you. I will make your name great. I'm going to bring your people out. He found a man. That covenant was not dependent on Abraham. It was dependent on God. Because he told Abraham, he said, your people are going to go into bondage. They're going to forget me, but I'm going to hear their cry and I'm going to come down and I'm going to deliver them. Praise God. So when God asked Abraham, he said, I need you to take your son to the mountain that I'll show you. And he took him to Mount Moriah. He took him to the very place, all right, that God told him to go. And he, and he took him all the way and He laid him on. You remember the story. He laid him on the altar. Amen. He was about to pay the price. And He raised His hand up with the knife and was in the process of bringing it down. Isn't that interesting? That God didn't stop Him once He tied him. He didn't stop Him once He laid him on the altar. He waited until His hand had the knife. till He had raised the knife up till he was about to come down into his son's chest. And God said, wait a minute, Abraham. Don't hurt the boy. Now I know that you believe me. Amen. And it said, Abraham looked and there was a ram in the thicket. Now, I don't know when the ram got there. I don't care when the ram got there. But it's a picture of something. I was on the altar. I was about to pay for the sin that I had committed. I was about to pay for every wrong thing that I had done. But somewhere in the annals of eternity, according to the book of Psalms, Jesus stepped up in the throne room of heaven and said, Sacrifice and burn offerings you don't want, but a body you have prepared me. Here I am, send me. And the Lamb of God came into the world and got caught. caught. Caught in the thicket of sin and caught in the thicket of humanity and became my substitute. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Do you see that? The year of Jubilee in the Old Testament is a type of preaching the gospel. Amen. Amen. Every seven years. Freedom was pronounced. Every 50 years, everybody went free. Preaching of the gospel. That's what Jesus came and preached in the book of Luke chapter 4. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the good news to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, deliverance to the captives, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What's the acceptable year of the Lord? The acceptable year of the Lord is the year of Jubilee. If you're bound, you don't have to be bound anymore. If you're sick, you don't have to be sick anymore. If you're in poverty, you don't have to be in poverty anymore. Why? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he's anointed me to preach these good tidings to you. Glory be to God. Amen. Noah's Ark is a type of Christ. Deliverance from destruction. Amen. God came to Noah, and you remember the story. He said, He said, the, 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 just the odor of the sin on the earth. He said, men's minds are on, on sin continually. He said, I'm going I'm to send the flood. I'm going to wipe all of this away. People say why did God use the flood? The earth had to be cleansed. The earth had to be washed. It had to be it had to be soaked with the water. It had See the Bible says that you and I are cleansed by the washing of the water of the word of God. No matter what we've done, we can put the word to work and it will change it. But yet the Bible says that God told Noah to build the ark. And He said, when the time comes, you and your family are going to enter into the ark. And you're going to be preserved. The ark is a type and a figure and a shadow of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we enter into Christ. And when we enter into Christ, we are saved. And the promise is not only to you, but the promise is to you and to your children. And to as many as believe in the name of the Lord our God. There's no there's no destruction that can take us because we're in the ark of Jesus Christ. Shoo. The sin offering in the Old Testament was a type of Christ. That's my last one. The sin offering. It's Wednesday night and I'm preaching up a storm. Sin offering. Amen. The sin offering. They'd bring two goats. Every year they'd bring two goats. For the atonement, for the, the sin offering, for the entire people. They bring two goats. And you remember the, 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 the one goat came. And it said that Aaron would, would, uh, and his sons would lay hands on that goat. And that goat became the atonement for the sins of the people. The Bible says in the book of John, it says it twice in the book of John, it says that Caiaphas, the high priest, when he was talking to, to the religious leaders, he said, you guys don't have any knowledge, because he was talking about killing Jesus, and they said, well, you know, it might cause us a problem. He said, you don't understand. He said, it's better that one man die for the sins of many. Amen. And then when, he was, when, when they were in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that they took him to Caiaphas, and it says this was Caiaphas that said it was right that one man should die for the sins of many. And, the, and John said he was prophesying and didn't even know it. But that he would, he would take that blood, cut that animal's throat, and take the blood into and place it on the mercy seat. And the sins were atoned for. But then it says that he took another goat, and he laid hands on that goat and pronounced the sins of the people on that goat. And then it says that they put that goat in the hands of a strong man and he took the goat out and released it in the wilderness where it could not find its way back. And the sins of the people were carried away. The Bible says to you and I that Jesus carried our sins. Where did he carry them? He carried them away. Why did Jesus have to go to hell? That's where the sin bearer had to go. That's where that's that's where the sin sacrifice had to go. The ultimate the ultimate destination for every person that dies in sin is a hell for eternity. Jesus had to go to that place to bear our sins away and become the sin bearer. But here's the thing when He bore our sins away to hell and He forgave our sins by being our sin bearer, your sin cannot find its way back to you. You've got to go back to it. It can't come back to you because you've been delivered. The sin bearer took them away. Glory Glory to God. And that's why the enemy brings condemnation and guilt and shame to try to get you to go back to what you've been delivered from and go back to what Jesus bore for you. Amen. Those are more reasons why we believe it's God's will to heal. Amen, you better stand up. Hallelujah. Glory, I hope you got something out of that tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) <laughs> oh we're grateful thank you, Lord. Lord we're grateful thank you, Father. Thank you Lord thank you, Father. thank you Father thank you Father thank you Father oh praise the name of Jesus praise the name of Jesus I believe God I believe God hallelujah 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 so, ministering spirits, I thank you tonight. I thank you for ministering to these people. I thank you, Father, that every word that we've said, Lord, we've done the best of our ability tonight. And I thank you that the ministering spirits encamp around about these people and keep them safe. And, Lord, I thank you that every disease, and virus that touches their body dies instantly. I thank You that their homes are protected. I declare over every person's home, it is a disease-free zone. It's a cancer-free zone. It's a failure-free zone based on what You told us, based on what You did for us. So, Father, we thank You for it. We praise You for it. We magnify Your name. In Jesus' name.